We are here. It's the new year. Hello, Anne. Hello. Good to be here. Happy New Year. Although it seems very strange to be saying Happy New Year now at this time still, but it's lovely to be here. Yeah. How long do you say Happy New Year for? I mean, is it is it the first contact with somebody you haven't spoken to? Is there like a like a, a 12 days of Christmas for New Year? I mean, what's the rule? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because somebody was saying, well, you can't say that after the 6th of January. And I'm thinking, oh, all right. I didn't know that one. <laughs> that was a new one for me. And I just thought, yeah, if I haven't seen somebody, then that's what I feel. But maybe if I haven't seen somebody in February, I might I might choose not to say that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. By November, Happy New Year. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's got to be a cutoff somewhere. I don't know what it is. I just say Happy New Year. It's fine. <laughs> January. It's the new year. I think. I think it's got to be the end of January, surely, because it's the new month of the new year. So surely there's like a buffer zone of acceptable. <laughs> I like that. I like Happy that. It's a nice. It's a. It's a fresh greeting. It's nice to have these different things to to say every now and again. Absolutely. Uh, did you have a happy, sensory, healthy Christmas? Ooh, that's that's a wonderful expression, isn't it? Yeah, and I've had so much feedback of things that people have done. It's really precious to think, yes, we had the best Christmas this year. Still got stuff to work on for next year, but it was a lot better than it was last year. And it's just like, yes, that's what we do, bit by bit, slowly but surely, and just keep tweaking, changing, adapting according to the needs of the family. But um, yeah, lots of things were were, were put in place, and, and changes happened, and a lot of assertiveness and uh, strength, strength growing in. in in parents when when they've not been quite so confident in in their decisions and also yeah confident in in chatting with family members and explaining that they need to do things differently and that's okay and that they don't love them any the less but things just have to be a little bit different the more they get to know their their family members their their children and how they work best as a family that confidence thing is so true though i went to uh it was a celebration day for a, a christian drama thing in the uk and um, I have to be a little bit careful with food. I don't have like major allergies, but I do have to think a little bit. And I felt guilty having homemade food from a kitchen from someone I didn't know in a big church with, three, with several hundred people. I felt like, oh, I shouldn't have my own food because they might be upset and offended. They, they don't know me. They're never going to see me again. And yet I still have that. Oh, could I, can I eat my sandwich that I brought? And I felt guilty. I felt guilty in that scenario, let alone family. <laughs> I know it, it's it's a it's a nice it's a, it's a nice thing in, in in some ways it shows that we really do want to yeah honor other people and, and do the right thing it's just sometimes we just have to do the right thing by ourselves <laughs> that's a very very good way of looking at it okay let me start with a live story from yesterday um so this I, I was we can pull this into into sensory stuff easily enough because I was walking along out with Joe went for a walk our usual route Walking along about 15, 20 yards ahead of me, an old lady fell over walking out with her son. Turns out she's mm -hmm. 94. As she fell, she um, didn't roll at all. She just kind of slammed into the floor and um, she cracked the corner of her head. There was lots of blood. Anyway, I took charge of that, made the blood stop. We got to the GP with her, walked her up there. I sort of half carried her really. But I was mm. thinking specifically because her son said she's never, ever stumbled before. She's 94. She walks all the time. She's been quite sprightly. But it was the surface dressing, which is a very cheap way for councils to make it look as though they're pretending to maintain things. They put a surface dressing down. They just spray down some tarmac. But that creates undulations and waves where a properly concreted or tarmacked path wouldn't. Now, we frequently stumble over this stuff. We have no sensory issues that I know of. We're all you know, fighting fit. So I thought about this 94-year-old who is stumbling because the floor isn't actually flat because it's surface dressing it's a little bit undulating well if we're stumbling a 94 year old probably will so my question is this 
Are there any things that we can do if that's something we commonly have a struggle with? And surface dressing is very normal now because it's cheaper than actually re repaving things properly. Are there any aids specifically? I'm thinking like, are there shoe like riser things at the front that can take away the scuff? Because literally her front of her foot caught the, the undulation and she just went. So are there things we can do physically to our, our shoes that might help with that? Uh, oh, that, that is an awful, awful scenario. And it's awful that it's happening. Um, that's, oh, you know, they, councils really need to be careful, actually, if they, if they are doing that, because that's, yeah, they just need to be careful. I'm, I'm not going to say anything else. No, no. But <laughs> as far as um, shoes, um, shoes are concerned, I personally don't know anything about that side of it. But it is, it's that visual. We're not getting that visual feedback. Um, we, we will need... It's such a shame to say anybody who has that slight visual impairment or won't be able to process it quite so much or I, I haven't actually experienced it. So I don't know. But I do know about undulations. Um, I do know my own husband has a visual impairment and I know it's, it's a nightmare to be able to walk. I'm very much his hand. He's steadier. Um, we need to be just even on a normal basis having those little sticks as you will see those with, with a vision impairment, those who are blind, those who have those uh, visual issues, often having a little stick with um, a ball at the end of it so it goes in front of you so you can feel the undulations is probably going to be the best thing for anybody. If you think you're at risk or if you think you're not sure about how you are going to be able to save yourself, how you're going to be able to, to balance, how quickly your brain is going to be able to process to um Put your hand out to save yourself, to be able to steady yourself. Um, you can't, if if councils are going to continue to, to do this, um, or if you're just in an environment where it's just not going to be able to be uh, kept, or if you live in a different place in the world where the, 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 there's going to be undulations and potholes and other things, then it is definitely worth taking the responsibility on yourself and, and going ahead with a stick. A stick is quite heavy, though, to kind of like you have to lift it up and down. So to get a little something with a ball on it where you just literally just push it in front of you um, and it goes in front of you. So you have that feed back. You have a feed forward and a feedback mechanism that, that we talk about technically, um, where you are feeding forward to actually see what is there. And you get the feedback from your muscles and your joints and your proprioceptors in checking the undulations. As it, as you, as you hold onto the stick, you realize the stick gets raised and therefore you can start to adjust your own body in preparation for then moving your foot in a slightly different way. So I don't know anything specifically to do with shoes. Um, apart from the fact if you if you have a wheelie, <laughs> you can imagine our grannies in their wheelies going round. <laughs> an image. And <laughs> um, you know, you, you can have that kind of thing. So you are literally, you're not doing the walking, you are rolling, you've got your roller skates on, you've got therefore you can follow, you can follow the lie of the land and, and the boots will do it for you rather than the actual eyes doing it. But for regular footwear. Um, regular roads that just might be a little bit undulating, then the best thing I know of at the moment, I'd love to hear if anybody else has any other suggestions or any other thoughts, but having one of those sticks with a little ball on the end, they're really good because it just go, it goes up and down before you actually get to the point that you're actually going to walk over. It gives you a bit of warning. I just had this great image now, all these Zimmer frames that have got little motors at the bottom, putting all these <laughs> grannies along with a granny posse. 
<laughs> next to the skateboard park. I don't know. I've just got that image now. <laughs> yeah, and e scooters. This is like, right, okay, Granny, let's get you on your e scooters. And it's like, Super Granny. Do you know that was a program years ago? Super Granny, it was. Yeah. I love that. It was brilliant. Yeah, right, fine. Oh, I'm crying a bit. Um, okay, let's move on to a couple of questions that came in before Christmas. Um, right, first one from uh, Peter. I've heard that dogs are very therapeutic, but in what day, sorry, in what ways do dogs help with sensory health? Oh, dogs are phenomenal. Pets are phenomenal, depending if we get the right fit. So obviously, we're always looking for the individual sensory thumbprint. That's a big part of what I do to assess each individual to find out what's going on with each and every sense and how it works for them. So we've, we want to try and find an animal that suits that sensory thumbprint. So let, let's go with dogs, because that's where the question was. Um, yeah, you'd have to kind of find what what we need to find with with, with a dog is is checking first the auditory so their bark is going to be one of the first things that you have to check if they're going to be a good um sensory healthy tool um uh, companion for you because one of the the auditory system is one of our is one of our most alerting it's one of the ones that sets us off most uh so it would be just checking if it's a little yap or if they're big or some sometimes sometimes people can cope with the big deep bark uh, one of those real, you know, be- belly belly ones, really, really deep ones, but they can't cope with the little yaps. So I would always check the auditory system first if you are going to choose a dog as a sensory healthy companion, uh, which, of course, I would recommend uh, unless you really unless there is a, a, a not a good fit there. Um, but what is so lovely about them is is if you have them on your lap. Okay, let, let, let's take it bit by bit. If you have them on the lap, you have something that's deep touch pressure. Deep touch pressure, one of our most calming, organizing of sensory experiences. So they are on you. They are warm. So we have deep touch pressure. We have warmth from their bodies. <clears throat> it covers you. It offers that kind of protection that other, other things can't touch you unexpectedly because you've got this dog on your lap. Um, so it, it, it offers a, a form of protection. The texture of the dog's fur is gorgeous. Um, normally, again, choose your, choose your dog accordingly, and if it's clean, and um, but the, and the stroking motion. So we have the dog itself, him, him or herself, um, giving you all of that lovely sensory stuff. Then you, what you do to the dog or with the dog mm. gives you that extra element of input. So we have um, that stroke. We've got calm, and we've got a rhythm often. And it's just something that helps our systems with it being rhythmical. We have that softness that we are touching. We have the warmth that then we are actively touching. We can go in as close or as cuddly or as um, whatever we need so we can adjust to the dog. And most dogs, I think it's most, uh, will be compliant to human touch. Uh, Some of them are remarkable (laughs) with what they will tolerate just Try not to pull their tails, but yeah, the, the, it is quite remarkable what they will put up with, and that they're, they're very gracious uh, in that way. Uh, unless you've got a character that will nip back at you, in which case you don't go near those breeds. But um, there are some really, really lovely dogs, and their temperaments are gorgeous. So you can wrap yourself around good proprioceptive input. You've got warmth. You've got tactile. You've got softness. You've got rhythm. Really calming. You can um, often feel their heartbeat again. So if they are calm, that can affect your heartbeat too. 
and your heart rate. So it will reduce um, and in, in that connection. And then there's the physicality, the proprioceptive input that's needed for going for a walk. So you actually get yourself up and out doing exercise uh, physically, proprioceptive, really feeding into yourself. Um, and yeah, there are lots, lots and lots of positives, uh, as well as the emotional companion. You've got something to care for. You've got something to be responsible for. There's that, that's all the other things, but from the sensory perspectives, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous thing. It's a lovely thing. Um, I wrote one note down. How does feeling a dog's heartbeat help you calm? Cause is a dog's heartbeat faster than a human's? What happens, I think, well, I, I don't know the technicalities of everything and that, that's definitely worth exploring more. But when when something is calm, obviously, if, if a dog is running around, that's not going to be your calming influence. No. But when a, if a dog is settled, if a dog is settled on your lap, there is a um, the, the, there is a reduction in that activity level. And we are sensitive to each other. I think that there's a lot more that we're um, aware of in live beings. So if you have a cat, you have a cat that purrs, you hear that auditory and and the sense of just that, again, lowering heart rate, bringing things down. So it, it's possibly more it, it, it's just that sense of, of how things are when other things are calm, how it then impacts us and affects our systems. If we have calmer music, that naturally that immediately affects us because it's going into our going into our ears and into our brain. And it is it is lowering our own heart rates by listening to music that has less beats per minute than our actual heart rate. That's that entrainment. But there is a, a sense of, 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 of how we relate to other animals if they are in a calm state. Don't know the specifics of how it works, but we do know that that is that is a very real, a very real thing. You have a calm, a calm beast and you are calm in the same way that you even as a parent, again, you need to be calm. The calmer you can be yourself as a parent, the more it's going to help your child. Or the individual that you are working with you get anxious for some people who are particularly sensitive and connected to, uh, to to those levels of anxiety to the things that it gives out then it's not going to help them if you are more anxious it's going to make them more anxious too so it's, it's really important that that we learn how to control ourselves sorry a real digression there from animals too to how it is with humans but you know you can probably imagine how any living being if it is agitated it affects us some people can can control ourselves in order to not be connected to that that anxiety that the other thing the other horse the other dog the other uh, individual the other human is feeling um and that's because we've got good self-regulation but there are some people who we can use it as a positive use other things we call it co-regulation as well is that sense of co-regulating that if something a living thing is in a calm state we can use that to help us regulate um children often use it with parents uh, and often use it with animals but the animals got to be in a good state in order to help that co-regulation and bring that person's um, stress levels arousal levels down 
it makes me think of um it's kind of the it's the opposite of vicarious trauma where something happens and we're negatively affected by that in a in a you know a, a violence whatever we're going to be affected by the violence but then conversely if we're surrounded by something that's peaceful it's going to make us more calm which is what you're saying about if a parent's more calm with a child it's going to help that child be more calm and it's yeah co-regulation that's a better way of saying my badly worded version but yeah yeah, as only as I was talking through it, I suddenly thought, what is that I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah, of course, it is it's all about this. <laughs> it is all about that co-regulation and how we how we are interconnected. You know, we're, we're living beings. We've, we've been given this life. While we have breath in us, then we we, we carry. We, we, we carry something. I was thinking about one of the first things you said was, um, if it's a dog that's really yappy or it, it, it startles you, then that might be one to stay away from. I remember the first house we bought, our next door neighbors were all blind. There was a group of students who were blind students, but they had between them a um, dog that was specially there to bark when there was a noise uh, mm. because they couldn't see things. So it would bark. Uh, if the doorbell would, would ring, I think one of them was, um, uh, was hard of hearing. So it would come and bark at them because they couldn't hear the doorbell, but they could hear the dog. We could hear the dog next door. So <laughs> it definitely works. Uh, and they, they lived quite happily, quite normally because of this, this dog, I mean, that's, I suppose, loosely a form of therapy because it helps them to engage with life better. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, that's class and that's that's a brilliant way of doing things. And that's, again, trying to find that, that match mm. of sensory needs with your neighbour. <laughs> uh, we, we talk about it within the household. And we, we have to try and work out how we can live together well when we've got different different sensory needs, different sensory thumbprints within family members. But we've also got the, the environment that we live in, the place that we work, uh, just what our society is doing, where we might choose to live. And some people will choose to live quite rural to get to make sure that they are in a little bit more control. Because if obviously if you've got a next door neighbour right next to you, you can't tell them not to have a dog or um, whatever. And we're, we're, we're very conscious here. I, I have a boy who's a drummer boy. Um, so and literally, he, like we just got him a snare over, over Christmas, a snare drum for when he goes out and about and, and does various gigs. And he started doing it. And I was thinking, oh, no, we bought him an electric <laughs> drum kit in the house specifically so that we could tone everything down. He could just plug himself in. And now now he's got this snare. And it's just like, no, we are not having this snare in the house. It is not something that inside the house. But obviously, I can control that because it's my own household. But um, it was just like it was a bit of a shock to me. I thought, oh, yeah, how come I never thought he would do that? <laughs> really, that? Give a child a drum, they're going to play it. Yes. <laughs> it's going to sound like a drum. Right, let's do one more question. Uh, where's it gone? Here we go. Right. Um, thankfully, this was sent before Christmas for after the Christmas period, which is great because here we are. Do you have any strategies for handling commuting? Trains or buses can often be hot, noisy, crowded environments, which is a lot for the senses to take. And having been on the tube myself a couple of months mm. ago, yeah, it's 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 an assault on the senses, isn't it? It is big time. Yeah, big time. Okay. So get to know yourself first. This sounds like an adult. So yeah, get to know yourself as well as you possibly can do. Um, go, go to the website and get the downloads and see if you can find all the different areas. Have a look at all your senses, see what you can find out about them all. Um, so once you've once you've found that, you will find if there are specific things that set you off more than others. And I would address those first. In that list there, we've got the sights, the sounds, the temperature and the bustle. So that, that there's quite a lot of sensory things in there. 
First off, I'm always there to prepare the body first where you can. So I don't know if this person is uh, physically minded in any way, but it'd be worth going for a, a quick jog, uh, go for a quick swim, um, do some YouTube videos, whatever, physically to get yourself in a better position, your body in a, in a better nervous position. Uh, nervous state before you go out and and get assaulted by the whole commute um so that you're more able to regulate and cope with those um because if you set your if you set your system up better first you are less sensitive to those sensory inputs as well as being able to cope with those sensory inputs better like so that, a warm-up that... before exercise sort of thing say that again like a warm-up before an exercise you're just yeah. preparing your body yeah. yeah, you're just preparing your body. Yeah, yeah, get it, get it as in the best place you possibly can. Um, uh, d- definitely have something for your ears. Finding that whether it's blocking things out so that it's just a quiet environment, or whether it's finding music that really works for you, whether it's frequencies that work for you. Think more about the auditory system. Um, what else have we got? Layers. Yeah, we need layers of clothes because temperature. I was I was in Estonia recently, minus twenty six degrees, and the number of layers I was putting on was like ridiculous for for me, who's used to our British weather. Um, but layers are are phenomenal, um, and and having somewhere to put your layers when you take them off. So if you're heading down into the tube, you've got your coats, you've got your hats, you've got your gloves, you've got your scarves, you've got one layer, two layer, three layer, four layer. And then it's also where do you put them? So it's say you're dropping them all over. So not only wear layers, but wear, carry something that can expand to, to take your layers so that you're not dropping things everywhere. Layers for sure. Having something for your ears. Um, visually, you may find it easier depending on how how much the vision affects you is having uh, wearing something with different colored glasses you can sometimes look a bit cool um if you have different types of of, of lenses but it just might help things a bit or the or sunglasses just might take the intensity off everything and the lights are quite intense if you're underground um so <clears throat> wearing sunglasses just yeah find find a tint uh that that works for you and they're just your commuting glasses that you know you might want you might have different ones when you're actually outside in the sun but you might have your commuter glasses um layers and protection yeah (laughs) you could do things to make sure you have more body space around you but i don't think the other commuters would appreciate certain things that you might do so i'll I'll not go there either (laughs) (laughs) lots of spikes Um, might work but not be appropriate (laughs) (laughs) sprays and things like that um but yeah spikes you know so yeah i I think hopefully i'd love to i'd love to hear more um if somebody tries something or or if somebody wants to let me know actually it's it's more this that's the issue um but also do um what squeeze and release activities so that proprioception to help you cope using the proprioceptive using that muscle system to help bring down stress levels, arousal levels. Um, so when you, if you're standing there in a train, and if you are actually quite close, we all naturally um, avoid eye contact. 
don't we? It's a funny old thing. Yeah. Um, if we just a bit too contact anyway, but yeah. So the eyes will go. You'll be able to process better if you're not looking directly at people. But if you're standing there, literally squeeze the whole body, um, clench your 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 legs, your buttocks, your your feet. Squeeze. Count to ten or five, and then release. And then squeeze again and release. So you're not you're not moving anywhere. You're not doing anything. You probably can't move very far anyway. But it gives the ability for the body to help regulate a little bit using your proprioceptive system. Um, from that list, there's always something we can do, isn't there? Whether you're on a bus, standing on a tube train, there are different environments. But I mean, it's, it's that thing you keep saying this time around about match what, what's the right dog. If you are, um, if you can't hear or see, then a, a, do- a barking dog might be great for you. But if you're triggered by that, not so much. And in the same way with commuting, if you're sitting on a bus seat there's much much less that you can do but if you're standing on a train then your options are slightly greater but you can always stand up on a bus for a bit and sit down again you, you can do things there are things you can do aren't there yeah a tip tip your head forward as well you know or make sure you know or just uh, move your head from side to side stretch your neck muscles get a little bit of that vestibular input in without making yourself sick or dizzy or anything else but you can tip your head forward you can pretend that you're you're doing up your shoelaces or just to get a little bit of extra input if it's a long if it's a long commute but definitely mm-hmm. t- t- take a break where you need to do do something to stimulate your senses um it, it, yeah and because if you're driving then that's we, we do need to be careful don't we that we keep people yes. well behind the wheel whichever yes, wheel it is please don't look down if you're driving that's um <laughs> that, that wouldn't be a good thing to do keep your eyes on the road take a pause pull up somewhere yes appropriateness find the right match if you're driving a car keep your eyes on the road right <laughs> thank you Anne. um how can you, you mentioned your website um how can people uh, find out more about what you're doing and where to get these resources yeah that's great thanks annlaurejackson.com a-w-n-e-l-a-u-r-e jackson.com and at sensory health coach there'll be various um things there are various things out uh, and around social media wise uh, to be able to pick up general tips and things that i talk about if that's of interest fantastic thank you Anne, as ever uh, if you've got any more questions for Anne, and we love 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 your questions so do send them in uh, best email for that is hello at pure247radio.org hello at pure247radio.org and i will pose your questions to Anne. Anne lord jackson thank you as ever new year so excited that you're still with us doing this it's brilliant thank you I love this and really look forward to do send your questions in. I love the spontaneity and it just it draws things out of me when 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 folk ask things because I don't automatically think to to speak about these things unless someone asks me a question. So I I love the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you and take care. Bye. Pure twenty four seven radio is listener supported, which means we are free online and always pure because of the generous support of our listeners. If you would like to contribute financially, please visit pure247radio.org. If you'd like to find out how we use your money, please visit the Our Cost section. Any donation of any size will help keep us on air and broadcasting for free. Thank you.